I hope everybody watched that game last night. Super Bowl Sunday. It was fantastic. It was a great game. Glad I got to check it out. I mean, I don't think I've ever missed a Super Bowl, and I sure was not missing one that looked like it was going to be a great game. The matchup, Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, just seemed like it was going to be an awesome game, and it was. Both teams showed what they could do. We had a comeback. We had dominance for a certain stretch. It was awesome. Chiefs go on to win 31-20, Super Bowl 54. Fantastic. Of course, this is Edge of Your Seat Podcast, episode 41. I am Brandon LaChance, your host. I just wanted to jump straight into Super Bowl. Before we get to our guest, Evan Carroll, who is a 2013 Mendota graduate, a buddy of mine. I got to cover him on the football field as a Trojan. He was a running back, and we've stayed in touch. I run into him here and there. We talk, we catch up, talk some sports. And I knew that he knew everything about sports, so I was like, hey, I would love to talk to him, have him on the show. But before I had a chance to reach out to him, he sent me a message and goes, hey man, I love the podcast, I think it's awesome, let me get on. So I'm like, well, why not? I was already thinking about this. So it was fantastic to have Evan on. We talked about everything sports, all kinds of national stuff, Chicago Bulls, the Super Bowl. We talked on Thursday before the Super Bowl, and today is Monday, the day after. So so just so you know when we're talking, we talked before the Super Bowl, just to let you know. Also, we talk about LSU and Clemson in the NCAA championship game. We talk about a ton of college quarterbacks that flopped once they got to the NFL, and more and more and more sports talk. It was great to talk to Evan. He's a great dude. Glad I got to meet him and glad we have stayed in touch. Back to the Super Bowl. If you had zeros on your board, you were a lucky man or woman. The second ends 10-10. The third ends 20-10. That's two zeros. So if you were in my pool, you would have won $750. That's awesome. I say mine as in I played in one. Didn't run anything. I wish I could have had, my numbers were one for the 49ers and seven for the Chiefs. So I was hoping that would end a border and that didn't happen. But the final score, 31-20. Man, the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. They're down 20-10, going a 21 run in the fourth, just in the fourth. It was insane. And we were talking about the game like Patrick Mahomes has not looked good. And they kept talking about it during the commentary of the game, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, which I wasn't really mad with Joe Buck. He's not my favorite. He's not the worst that I feel gets on the mic. I was okay with him doing the Super Bowl with Troy Aikman. For some odd reason, Troy Aikman brings out the best of Joe, if you ask me. Probably a lot of people disagree with me. But I've always loved Troy Aikman, thought he was a great quarterback, and I like him on the mic as well. And I thought, Joe, Joe was okay. I mean, he didn't mess anything up, so it was all right. But going over numbers, Jimmy Garoppolo, 20 of 31, 219 yards, a touchdown, two picks. Those two picks hurt, that's for sure, especially at the end there. Tough, tough, tough stuff. Didn't have a rusher over 58 yards. We kept talking about this dynamic, dynamic running game. Raheem Mozart, 12 carries, 58 yards. One touchdown, Debo Samuel, 
Three carries for 53 yards. He did average 17.7 yards a carry. I don't know why they didn't give him the ball more. I'm sure the average would have went down, but every time he got the ball, he was he was finding the spots. Tevin Coleman, five carries, 28 yards. So the three of them, a little bit over 130. The Chiefs stopped it. Andy Reid had enough time to figure out what they needed to do running game-wise to stop the 49ers, and they did it. In the air, like I said, 219 yards. Debo Samuel had the most receptions. He had five for 39 yards to go on top of the 53 that he had rushing. Kendrick Bourne, two receptions for 42 yards. Kyle, I'm going to mess this up. Jusis, Juskik, Jusak. I don't mean to butcher his name, but that one's the easy one to butcher. Three receptions, 39 yards and a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders, three receptions, 38 yards. George Kittle, four receptions, 36 yards. Jeffrey Wilson, one reception for 20. Were the six guys that had more than 20 yards. Tevin Campbell had three yards. Raheem Mozart had two. They were passing the ball everywhere. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a main target. I mean, Samuel, five receptions. Kittle, four. Sanders, Juskishkakashkak. Three each. Kendrick Bourne, two. I mean, they were getting the ball around. There's no doubt about that. But when it came playmaking-wise, Patrick Mahomes, the second, I call him Patrick Mahomes because my friend does. I always say that because I can't just take it like I'm going to call him Mahomes. My friend named him first. I'm just borrowing it. 286 yards in the air. 26 of 42 completions. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Those interceptions killed him early. And it made it look like the Chiefs were out of the game. But in true Chiefs fashion, Mahomes, Andy Reid rallies the troops. It was awesome. Damian Williams, 104 yards, 17 carries, 6.1 average for a touchdown. He was fantastic. Mahomes, 29 yards on 9 carries. Also had a touchdown on the keeper. Receiving-wise, Tyreek Hill, so fast, was Everywhere, nine receptions, 105 yards, average of 11.7 yards a reception. Sammy Watkins gashed him a few, 98 yards on five receptions, 19.6 average. Travis Kelsey didn't play as huge of a role as everybody thought he was going to, but the times that he did get catches and move the chains was key for the Chiefs. Six receptions, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Damian Williams also had a catching touchdown, and he had... 29 yards off four receptions. Damian Williams was everywhere. He was the man. It was a great game. I enjoyed every minute of it. It wasn't a, you know, crazy scoring game, 51 points. But when the points, 21 in the fourth by one team, just the, the comeback run was definitely awesome. And Patrick Mahomes did win the Super Bowl MVP. I thought it was going to be Damian Williams. Like I said, he was everywhere, racking up yards, both in the air and on the ground. But it was Mahomes. He came back from those two interceptions to get those two touchdowns and led the Chiefs to win the game. Man, I've said it about six times already, but great game. I loved it. And I really didn't have a horse in the race. I just wanted a great game. And I won because I had a great game. We cannot talk about the Super Bowl without the halftime show. Shakira, Jennifer Lopez, combined age of 93 years old as J-Lo is 50. 
Shakira is 43, and they looked fantastic. Dancing, I'm not even talking about just because they're beautiful, and yes, both of them are beautiful women. They're dancing, they're moving around, very high energy. It was just a great halftime show to be like, all right, let's get the second half going. I'm pumped up. It wasn't slow music to like, oh, you know, this is good jam, stuff like that. No, everybody was pumped up and just, you want to be excited. It's the Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year, the last game of the year before we have to wait until August or September for more football. So it was fantastic in that sense. I know there are parents talking about risque clothing. We're in 2020. I mean, there was nothing being shown. You can go on the beach any single beach there is and you're going to see risque bathing suits or bikinis honestly they're all over facebook they're all over instagram you can see women or men barely clothed anytime you want to anytime you want to so i don't think it's a big issue there wasn't a boob slip there wasn't anything like that and yes that's wrong that's really risque whatever you want to call it there was nothing shown except leg, stomach, things like that. Again, I'm a 30-something year old man, so of course I'm gonna have that opinion. I don't have kids, things like that. I thought it was awesome, it was vibrant, it was energetic, and it merged Puerto Rico and United States, the Hispanic, Latinos with Americans. It was cool, mix and match. You know, they had a couple rappers that were rapping in Spanish. I couldn't understand what they were saying, but it was cool. It was a different vibe, and I, I appreciated it. So, I'm not going to talk smack about the halftime show. I thought it was great. A couple of the commercials, the downer commercial that I did not like at all. I love Jonah Hill, but Jonah Hill with the Mountain Dew energy drink, and... He's sitting at the house on the couch, not wanting to answer anybody. Martin Scorsese's at like a club or something, trying to text him to tell him to get in this movie. Are you going to answer me? Are you going to get a reply? And then all of a sudden, Jonah Hill's at like a store, a cookie mart or something, grabs this Mountain Dew energy drink, and all of a sudden he's vibrant and, oh, I got to text back, and yes, I'm going to be in this movie. And then he shows up at the club and gives Martin a huge hug, and everything's perfect. I thought it was stupid. I really didn't like it at all. Not at all. The Doritos commercial with, with Little Nas X and Sam Elliott. I love Sam Elliott. He is the man's man. And he was rocking the dances. I know it wasn't him. It was a stuntman. But it was awesome. <laughs> it was fantastic. I like the Doritos commercial. There's a couple other ones. I don't remember what the actual product was that was being advertised. But the one, it had the Charmin Bear. It had Mr. Clean. And at the very end, it's got all these different icons or mascots or spokespeople for these products and <laughs> out of nowhere I just recognized Troy Palomalu's hair you know because he did the heads and shoulders commercials and he's just got a cheesy smile sitting with all these like cartoon Charmin bears and all this other stuff it was hilarious I remember that one too it was pretty funny but all in all great night watched the Super Bowl with some friends Ate some good chili. Thank you, Kayla. It was amazing. Had some good friend time with my boy Juve. It was awesome. So, that's all I wanted to talk about the Super Bowl. Hopefully you watched. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you didn't, if there's something you had to say that I didn't say or anything like that, hit us up. You can email us at 
edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, we have Facebook and Twitter pages. Facebook is Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Twitter is Edge of Your CP. You can check us out also wherever you heard us. Again, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Well, you can hear us. <laughs> you can hear us. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, or Google Music. Check us out. Follow us. Put us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. Definitely appreciate it. Much love from Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We have a lot going on this week. Usually I try to do three shows. I will probably do more. Had a show out, I think, for the last three or four days. And I have plenty of interviews racked up, stockpiled with all kinds of awesomeness. The Boys Bowling State Tournament was this past weekend in Illinois. Got some representatives, not there, but part of the community and showcased their skills throughout the season, whether it be coaches or players. This weekend is regionals for both girls bowling and wrestling. Definitely got some representatives from all of those sports. Also has some other interviews from all kinds of people. And I'm, I'm just going to leave it a teaser. I don't want to tell you what's going on and then you can decide if you want to listen or not. Hopefully, you're just listening. That'd be awesome. Always have a good time with these interviews. Always good people talking about great things. I hope to never let you guys down. That's my number one goal here, is to make you want to listen to the podcast. I mean, that's what we're all here for, right? Entertainment, some good chats, and that's what I'm hoping to bring to the table. So, we will have representatives for all the sports wrapping up. Baseball, springtime, track, right around the corner. We will keep it going. So, thank you for listening. Enjoy the interview with Evan Carroll. Until next time, peace. It is always awesome to do one of these shows. I'm having a blast doing Edge of Your Seat podcast. And it is awesome as well when somebody's like, hey, man, you're doing a good job. Like, these shows are cool to listen to. I would love to be on. We've talked a few times. Let's do some sports stuff. I have that experience right now with Evan Carroll, 2013 Mendota grad. How's it going, man? Doing well, my man. Just enjoying the night and, uh, you know, taking it easy. About to tune into my Iowa Hawkeyes at Maryland, so looking for a good game. And not only do you have a good game, it sounds like you're going to have some good eats. Uh, <laughs> yes, that is for sure. Uh, Main Street Wings on a Thursday. It's a little Mendota hidden gem, kamikaze wing sauce. It's a combination of barbecue, hot, mild, and garlic. You cannot go wrong there. So it's like a, a mouthful of awesomeness. It, it truly is. And uh, everybody I know, we used to bone in, but they recently came up with the breaded, naked, uh, boneless tenders, and they are absolutely phenomenal. Can't go wrong either way. So you have a game on with some wings. This sounds like the perfect Thursday night. You, you can't beat Thursdays like this. It's, uh, it's awesome knowing tomorrow's Friday. Had a great work week. Looking forward to the weekend, of course, the Super Bowl on Sunday for even more delicious foods, tr- treats, and some drinks, too. So, can't go wrong. For those of our listeners that are not fluent of what you're doing with yourself after you graduate high school, where are you at now? So, I'm at Black Brothers Company in Mendota, Illinois. It manufacture custom machinery. It's a lot of machines that help people make anything from houses, homes, Doors, windows, uh, mattresses, 
we're in a lot of markets, but basically we sell our machinery to other businesses, and those businesses use our machinery with other machinery to make their end products, which they then sell to customers and end users alike. Business is going really well. Really enjoy what I do, and I love the coworkers I get to work with. I really can't complain about anything. So before you had a big boy job, you were a awesome football player. So you were a big boy football player now with a big boy job. I like that t- that title for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that works for me. That works for me. <laughs> so while you were a Trojan, like I said, graduated in 2013, the way I met you and I knew who you were was because of your work on the football field. You were a running back, and you were a bulldozer who was also quick. So you could pound people if you wanted to, or you could just run around them. You were a little mixture of both. Before we hop into some national sports and stuff, just talk about your football days in Mendota and what you remember most. All right, absolutely. Let's see here. Sophomore year, we were coming off. A group of seniors that had left us, you know, that past year, who had made it to the quarterfinals, Really was kind of the town's thinking of last hope maybe for a legitimate shot at a state title. It was a really uber-talented class, uh, most notably by like Curtis Mapp, Mitch Bruno, Travis Martinson, those guys. So losing those guys, the confidence in the Mendota Trojan football program was probably at its low point for the past five years of consecutive playoffs and uh, always confident that, you know, we were going to make a run or at least a deep splash into November football. That was an awesome year, my sophomore year, to uh, kind of prove what our team was made of. Like I said, didn't really have a lot of believers. We had that injury to Lake Barkman early in the year. Really allowed a lot of people to step up. It's kind of how I got my shot playing in a QB in our Redbird offense, which was basically an offense that we had installed with schematics from Metamora, powerhouse I was just south of the South Peru area in Illinois, and it took variants of the wing T formation that you see basically all high school teams running, uh, especially here in Illinois. My best versus your best, head-to-head little option, trickery, fakery, but we took that in shotgun version. Uh, I was able to run behind a great offensive line. Not only were strong and athletic, but also extremely smart and dedicated to their craft. Got to run with Adam Sagrath, who truly was the bulldozer of our tandem. And he allowed me to, you know, find some holes for myself, set up a lot of play action, play faking. That uh, really allowed me to get the outside and kind of develop myself and uh, our team, continue the winning program, and that would eventually advance on to the third round of the playoffs. So sophomore year was a great, <laughs> fun year that I remember vividly to this day. That was a good team that you're right. After the year before, people were like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen here. And you guys proved a lot of people wrong and, you know, kept the winning tradition at that time alive. I think that was the best part, you know, kind of little uncertainty and people that weren't inside our locker room, inside our circle. But being able to, you know, put in the work that uh, off season was a very dedicated, talented group of individuals proving people wrong. You know, you got to love that. You got to love the underdog story. And I think that's kind of how we held ourselves with the chip on our shoulder. And the reason I kind of let off with that is because we had already talked about maybe in the fall having you come back on. You can be my uh, prep football insider. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I would love it. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. 
But sticking with football, and you already mentioned it, we have a huge game on Sunday. It is called the Super Bowl, one of my favorite weekends of the year. We have San Francisco 49ers, Kansas City Chiefs, kind of a Super Bowl, not crazy established teams, at least not the 49ers anymore. I mean, back in the day, they were, you know, one of the biggest names of professional football but not so much anymore they've had like a down spell but if you're looking like halfway through the season you're like i could see that happening this could really happen and it did absolutely yeah that very special team um what were they four and 12 last year you know you kind of get jimmy g back going a little bit more this year he looks great but more than anything that defense is just flat out scary <laughs> um you know you've seen teams like this make a run um, whether it was the Ravens in what I believe was 2012, the first Legion of Boom Seahawks, um, that defense is really something special and uh, a lot of reason why people are taking them to win this game. Just because you listed off some defense, I have to throw in the 2006 Bears. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think this 49ers team is going to benefit more from a little more stable QB play. Uh, <laughs> you know, our man... Uh, that was, that was Grossman, right? Yeah, that was Sexy Rexy. Yeah, that was Sexy Rexy, yeah. Maybe not the special teams boom with no Hester, but uh, I think this offense is probably a little more prepared than that 06 Bears team. Definitely, because their running game is crazy. So if you're watching football, back in the day, it was all defense and running the ball. And they actually, I've heard Jimmy G Garoppolo, if you didn't know his name, be called a game manager. But I think he's more than a game manager. They have a great running game and a fantastic defense. I mean, it's not a surprise to me that they got to the Super Bowl. I think Jimmy G is in that, you know, top 12 QB in the NFL, which obviously is more than enough to get it done and uh, win big games in this league, especially behind that defense. But, uh, yeah, the three-headed monster run game of Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Brita, um, you know, all three of those guys run with the vengeance. Like you said, I think those three are kind of almost set up with, you know, teams having to play George Kittle and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's arm and, uh, you know, whoever the, the other rookie is, uh, Dante Pettis, you know. They have a talented wide receiving corpse, and I think Jimmy G is a right guy for that offense uh, with his skill set. Going to the other side of the ball, we have Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick. I call them my homies. My friend calls them my homies, so I call them my homies. <laughs> my homies is quickly becoming my favorite football player. The stuff that he can do, whether it's with his feet or with his arm, is incredible. Yeah, I mean, talk about an absolute electric playmaker. Easily would be the number one pick and. Any draft you want to run, um, whether you're playing Madden and you're randomizing the whole entire order, if you're a GM starting the league, you know, you have a fancy draft in the NFL tomorrow, he is easily going to be the first guy off the board. He is a franchise changer. This is a guy that got traded up for. They took a big risk, uh, let go of Alex Smith, who was, a, you know, a, an upper half QB and rolled the dice on the Texas Tech gunslinger and... I mean, I don't know if anything's ever paid off as well in NFL in recent history. The kid is absolutely awesome. Yeah, because, I mean, Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame coach. When he retires, he's going into the Hall of Fame. And Reed. it took him quite a few years at Kansas City to get to this level, and it didn't pop off until 
Of course they have the defense. And they've had playmakers. I mean, they had Kareem Hunt. When Kareem Hunt, you know, did what he did and left the team, they're like, oh, they're going to step back. They're not going to get to the next level. Well, they definitely surpassed what they were doing without Kareem Hunt. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, that's a big program that's uh, just reload, not rebuild, you know. It's the, it's the next guy in. It's just like you said, Andy Reid is a Hall of Famer for that reason, you know. Cream Hunt, who just seems like a top five back in the league, you know, with all his dynamics being able to catch and run the football, um, I think it, nothing against his skill set, but it's kind of just Andy Reid finding these guys that can do it all out of the backfield. Um, and I think you're seeing a lot of that with, you know, Damian Williams and uh, that, you know, that steed of running backs that they got going on over there. I read somewhere that uh, 25% of all coaches in the league at one point were under the Andy Reid coaching tree. You know, he's developed everybody. You know, Matt Nagy, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Even if he loses his Super Bowl, he's as good as gold. Definitely. And the last time he was here, Philadelphia Eagles, I remember watching that against the Patriots. That was actually one of my, I think that was my freshman year in college, watching that uh, that game. That was fantastic. Big Eagles fan back in the day. T.O. Dawkins, you know, McNabb, Javon Curse. That team was crazy fun. I had a T.O. and McNabb jersey that year, so uh, <laughs> I was really invested, especially, I'm sure you played too, but EA, what was it, uh, Madden 05, uh, oh, yeah. or NFL 2K5, yeah. I think T.O. was on the cover. Yeah, that team was really special. I remember watching that game, too. Um, yeah, that was a 2K game. I definitely remember. I had that. That yeah, was an awesome that, game. Just stiff-arming everybody. <laughs> it was way too overpowered, but it was so fun. It was like the techno bowl of like PlayStation and Xbox. <laughs> right, right. You're, you're Bo Jackson, but... <laughs> But instead of having to be Bo Jackson, you're just Trell Owens running a slant for 80 yards. Yeah. <laughs> arms. Yeah. That's pretty much all you had to do. Exactly. Or if you were using the Falcons and Michael Vick. Oh, yeah, Vick. Yep. Oh, it was game over if you had Vick. Yep. Break the pocket, have somebody come down and then throw a 60-yard, you know, missile. <laughs> yep, that's, the end zone. that's all you had to do. Uh, that was a great game with a lot of fun players no doubt so with us talking about each team who are you picking to win the super bowl straight up i feel like i have to take the chiefs here i believe they are slightly favored one or two points i'm sure that line will change up to game time but uh it's really hard to go against you know patrick mahomes and that offense just seeing what they did against the texans you know, they scored 28 points in less than nine minutes. I don't know, something crazy. And then the Titans kind of caught the same thing last week. There's really no way right now that you can stop them. I don't, Mahomes missed, you know, a couple of those games. I don't think they're full playbooks even out yet. And the last thing you want to do is give Andy Reid, you know, two weeks to prepare for a big game like this. I know that 49ers defense is stout. They get a turnover, they get a fumble, they get a pick. The tide could change, but right now, this Chiefs team just seems too locked in. And they also have playmakers of their own on defense, you know. I think it's D Ford and yep. Matthew, Tyron Matthew. They got playmakers all over the ball. I never call him by his name. He's still the honey badger to me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> we actually talked about that, that last night, the LSU honey badger. Yep, that's mm. awesome. That's awesome. Kind of worried about making a pick, not that it's not life or death or anything. I just want to see yeah. a great Super Bowl. That's all I want to see. If it's not the Chicago Bears, 
we'll get into this, but if the Bears are in it, I want them to win. If the Packers are in it, the Green Bay Packers, I want them to lose. Any other team, I don't care. Right, right. Maybe, maybe the Vikings are on that lose list too, but oh, I know yeah, exactly yeah, what you yeah. mean. Yeah, I gotta add those. I gotta add the Vikings to that as well. <laughs> but I bring the yeah. Packers up like that because you are a Green Bay Packers fan, which you know disappoints me a little bit. You're a great guy, and I like it, but it kind of stunts it a little bit. Yeah, I've received you know flack my whole life from uh, basically this entire you know Mendota and the surrounding area being dominated by Bears fans. You know, rightfully so. My grandparents are actually from a town a little north of Madison, Wisconsin, called Portage. Okay. Uh, so my grandpa, you know, kind of brought that back home with them before, back to Mendota um, with the family before there was really, you know, the Bucks or the Brewers. So luckily, I still got the Cubs. Um, I still got the Bulls. But uh, him kind of bringing the Packers back to, uh, you know, our family ties in Mendota is uh, how we all, how the Carroll family ended up here. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, I'll only hold it against you a little bit. <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were talking about, you know, obviously 49ers in the Super Bowl played the Packers in the NFC Championship. We we're both probably really surprised of the score. I mean, it was 27 nothing San Francisco at halftime. Me, I was surprised because I was surprised they were getting beat that bad, but I was happy about it. You were probably a little disappointed. Yeah. Um, I mean,. Just, you know, you see Aaron Rodgers out there and you're like, okay, I got 12 under center, you know, we're never out of this game. But I don't know what the combination was of, like, our defense, you know, not being able to get off the field, not stopping the, you know, the eight-yard runs that they just gashed us on all night long. When you can't get your defense to make a stop and your offense, you know, they go three and out. You know, it's tough to win these football games especially against a running game of their caliber and a defense on that all-time list level. Very disappointed, a little nervous about a Rodgers, you know, legacy going forward. I mean, he's my favorite player. I think he's the most talented arm in QB history, Not maybe not the best, not the biggest winner, but uh, I'm a little nervous about, you know, him getting these two more rings, you know, these three rings total that I fully expected after that first Super Bowl. I always put Aaron Rodgers and Charles Woodson are the only two Packers that I wouldn't have minded if they became a Bear. (laughs) Who are two Bears that you wouldn't have mind becoming a Packers? And you could say all-time Bears. Wow, that is a great question. Um, Let's see here. I'm only picking Um, two because I would only take two Packers, so I'm only giving you two Bears. Okay, I'm trying to think of like, you know, those those bears that were crazy that you got you had to love and respect no matter what. Let's, let's see here. Who was the safety that I'm thinking of? I want to say Mike Jones. Mike Brown. Mike Brown, yes, yes. Mike Brown. I just remember when he was healthy, you know, obviously that's a career that got cut short a little bit too soon. But when he was healthy, you know, him flying all around the field, making plays. It was just the guy that you wanted on your team because you knew, you know, you knew a big play was coming. It, whether it was him lighting somebody up for, you know, a fumble going the other way, or he's cutting down slants up the middle and taking it back to the house for six. I thought he was an exceptional talent, and I was definitely bummed as heck to see him go down. Let's see here. Now, my number two. Hmm. I mean, I, I swear, I have a ton of respect for the franchise. I guess I've never really thought about in this aspect, though. Hester seemed like an obvious 
no doubt pick, you know, just with the talent and records that he's broken. I might even lean a little Lance Briggs here. You know, someone that can roam the hooks, but also come up and stop the run. Somebody that I, you know, vividly remember the Packers always having to key on, you know, between him and Erlacher, you know, it wasn't going to be easy trying to run the ball or, uh, you know, run your short slants or uh, crosses down the middle. You know, they really made you go to the edge of the field just by their mere presence in the middle. So I think those two guys, well, those three guys uh, are really at the top of my list. I can't really think of an offensive player. Uh, Greg Olson would have been great, but I know that's kind of a tough subject for Bears fans because his career should have been a lot longer in Chicago. I am really surprised that you stuck in, you know, the the stuff that you've been able to see. You know, a number one pick would have been Walter Payton. I'm surprised you did not mention that name. Uh, I, you know, I was thinking more of our uh, current, you know, the, the teams that I've gotten to watch, you know. All time, you know, I'm taking the fridge. I'm taking Walter Payton, you know, easy one, too. But I was thinking more of the teams that I've gotten to see. Definitely. And I, I kind of did the same thing. I mean, there's crazy amounts of Packer Hall of Famers that I did not see. So I, I did the same. Right. Yep. Yep. Reggie White would be an obvious one. I did get to see him. I would take Rodgers and I love Charles Woodson. I don't know what it was about him, but I loved that dude. Yeah, he came, he came to play every single week. Um, only defensive player to win the Heisman. You know, he's he's a free, he, he won that distinction. You know, for a reason. He was that kind of player. And even he had his best years probably with the Raiders, and then he comes over to the Packers. And didn't he win a defensive player of the year award there? I believe you're right. It was kind of like the twilight, but in his case, still like peak twilight of his career. You know, when he came over and then eventually retired. Once you're an elite player, peak lasts a little longer than others. Absolutely, yeah. Yep, yep. And he's the perfect example of that. So we have the Super Bowl coming up. We already had a championship football game pass us with LSU and Clemson in the NCAA you know, college playoff championship. I thought LSU was going to win. They did win. And they won just about every game that they played in pretty dominant fashion. Joe Burrow just... First of all, that team, yeah, insane talent, athleticism. Coach O with the coaching, I mean, how do you not love that guy? <laughs> Go Tigers. But, uh, you know, that's definitely a top five college football team of all time, you know, if not top three, if not number one. You know, capped by Joe Burrow's greatest season of all time. What, what did it end up at? You know, 60 touchdowns or whatever the record was that he set that season would break the would break Mahomes or Brady's let's say Manning's record whoever has the NFL I know Joe Burrow would have beat it comfortably by a, a couple touchdowns so all-time all-time season by him five picks whatever it was 75 plus percentage passing completion percentage you know he's an all-time talent gonna be a lock for this number one draft pick um, a lot of people are saying you know Cleveland or Cincinnati is going to screw them up, but I think there's a lot worse franchises you can go to, and I think Cincinnati knows they have you know something special that's going to fall into their lap, uh, especially the hometown Ohio kid. Really looking forward to his future, and I'm going to be cheering for him. Me too. I think he's going to be a very dynamic player. There's been a few other quarterbacks. I can't put names on them. Jamarcus Russell, who I think of right away from LSU, who went to uh, what the Raiders. Yep. He busted out right away. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, the Browns, the, even the Browns in general, I mean, they've had their fair share of first-round picks that 
all it flunked out. The one that I'm thinking of was like a, a huge deal, and he was all over like TMZ and stuff for like he tweeted or uh, sent an Instagram photo at a party. Johnny Manziel. Sure. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was what? He was taking 22 over, or 22 overall, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he was a little later. I was trying to think of just you know first round. Oh, First yeah, picks, pick. you know, QBs that have just busted out. Um, the number one that everybody always says is, of course, Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf, yep, yep. Yeah, he had his spare share of problems, you know, off the field. Um, never really got focused. Uh, obviously never lived up to the hype. Same with Jamarcus Russell, you know, never could really get it done. Had, You know, he was always out of shape. The talent was there. He didn't, <laughs> there's like the story that, they gave him a box of cassettes that were like supposed to be full of game film. They told him to watch it, and uh, they asked the next day, "Do you watch it?" And the coach is like, "Okay, well, there was nothing out of that film, so now we know you're a liar." <laughs> right. Yeah, so not 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 a good look for our, our two bus there. There was he was from Texas, Young. His last name was Young. He played with yes. Yep, Vince Young, yeah, at that Rose Bowl when they beat uh, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiter. Um, yep. Yeah, him and Matt Leiter, you know. It, it seemed like they had, like, a couple good starts when they were younger, you know, like some flashes in the pan. But, you know, by year three, year four, both of them were pretty much backed up to the backups, you know, pretty much only on an NFL roster because of their name. And then both of them would soon flare out, you know, by year five, year six, whatever it was. I'm willing to put Sam Bradford in this category, too. Yeah, yeah, Bradford, I mean, just got the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history. He's the reason they you can't do that anymore just because of, you know, how colossal, how colossally bad those, those first years were on the Rams. That was just the number one pick that, you know, when you look back on it, it's like, how did he go one? <laughs> but I know I know the arm was there. His college numbers were probably ridiculous. I don't know them, but if you're going one, I'm sure they were crazy. But, uh, yeah, that that's definitely a big head scratcher now. <laughs> and I know he had, you know, a couple good years, and he was looking like he was going to be great, but... What do we do with Andrew Luck? Do we put him in this category, or do we put him in... I don't know what we do with his early retirement. He had a couple yeah. of good years, and he had a couple of years they were like, what is happening with him? So I, I really don't know where to put him. Right, yeah. I think uh, Andrew Luck gets, like, he gets the hall pass because you know he's such a good guy. You know that he did this basically to be with his family and just the way that his body you know, had gotten tormented from... You know those seven eight years in the NFL. I don't I don't consider him a bust because I think he did a lot of good things for the Colts. Obviously made the playoffs a good number of years. You know there was that one year earlier in his career where you're like you know this is the next Rodgers, this is the next Brady. Um, but then like you said, kind of lulled out, had some really questionable years, kind of injury riddled a little bit, and uh, you know it seemed like he was starting to fall off. Then he came back, what just last year had a pretty stellar year and then yeah out of the blue you know he, he was gone so i wouldn't label him a bust but uh, it's truly disappointing that we never really got to see his career play out the, you know these next eight years he would have been in the league as an upper echelon qb i'm excited to see what happens with joe barrow i'm hoping that he's you know the next 
and then next categories with like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, that next level of quarterbacks that'll be around for a while and, you know, lead the NFL to, to the future. As we were talking about earlier, that national championship game, you know, you kind of forget about Trevor Lawrence after the year Joe Burrow had. I mean, what he did against Ohio State, whether he was throwing, taking big hits, or, you know, running for that 75-yard touchdown, you know, outrunning the whole defense. He outran the whole defense. It's going to be interesting to see how the, basically how the tanking goes this year for, you know, one of the biggest QB recruits that's been hyped up for, you know, ever since he stepped foot on, yeah, foot on the football field at Clemson. It's going to be interesting to see how teams tank, you know, to get this 6'5", you know, 4'6", kid on their team. And the hair. you got to add the hair in there, too. Touchdown, Jesus. Great, great hair. Great hair. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I had hair, it didn't look like that. No, no there's no way I could ever, I could ever get hair like that. Uh you know, he rocks that well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that kid's going to be, you know, if he busts out, that's going to be one of the biggest busts. I think bigger than any of the guys we just listed, strictly because of that size, arm, and uh, winning re- winning track record that he has. You know, the only loss he has in college is in a national championship against the greatest team of all time. You know, this kid's going to come in at the biggest number one hype of all time. We'll see what the heck happens with this tanking. There's another one I wanted to ask you about since we're listing all these, you know, quarterbacks and stuff. Where would you put Tim Tebow? So, Tim Tebow, Broncos decided to take him in that first round. That was probably John Elway's, one of his first years being a GM. I'm not sure how much control he had over, on that team over the years, but uh, I don't think you label Tebow a bust because... He won a playoff game and they had a good record. Yeah, yeah I mean... I think him being on your roster alone was enough to just get, you know, butts in seats. You know, people wanted to see Tebow. Tebow mania was real as any mania we've seen in recent sports. Was he worthy of a first-round QB draft pick? You know, you want to say no right away, but then you, you know, the QBs that we've just listed, Manziel, Brandon Whedon, Colt McCoy, like, these guys didn't pan out to be anything either. And, I mean, at least Tebow was giving you all he got and was, you know, won a playoff game in overtime fashion against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think ended Troy Palomalo's career that game was, you know, that was the final game he played. So, no, I don't think Tebow's a bust. I think he's fine just where he's at. I think his career, not the way he wanted, but I don't think anyone's going to remember him too negatively. Yeah, same here. I agree with you. I wouldn't call him a bust, just above a bust, (laughs) but not a bust. Because we knew coming out of Florida that he wasn't – the X's and O's technical quarterback. You weren't going to get right. it. And he, right. and he wasn't really a runner. Like, he didn't blow you away with the speed or anything like that. He was built like a fullback. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. He could run, no doubt about that. I don't think anyone's disagreeing there. Yeah, he definitely wasn't your prototypical pocket passer, you know. The release was always weird. The spiral had a little bit of a tailing duck to it. He was literally just the perfect college QB in an Urban Meyer offense. Yeah, very true. That was definitely a system that worked for him. Absolutely. The Urban Meyer system, I think it worked for all of us, honestly. That guy's another genius. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. A.J. McCarron. Well, A.J. McCarron's another one, too. Yeah, that, that's who I was kind of thinking of. There's another quarterback that I, I, it's not A.J. McCarron, but A.J. McCarron, I think, falls on this as well. Yeah, yeah, he's, 
he, I think he was a late, you know, he was a fourth round pick or so, so he wasn't a first round, uh, you know, no expectations like that, but Bortles kind of a bust too. I mean, yeah, for no, me to, I agree with you. Top five pick or whatever. Blaine Gabbert. Oh, yeah, he went to Missouri. Missouri, there we go. Didn't he set some yeah. records with Missouri? Dude, he was pretty astounding in college. Yeah, he was He was special. I mean, that's a guy you see in college, and with his athleticism, you're like, there's no way he can't be good. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, it just never really panned out for him. I don't know. Might have even, like, switched to receiver at some point. He was, he was super athletic. But, uh, yeah, never really got it done, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, I kept thinking he's one of those guys that I always put in this category of, you know, players that I felt like busted, but I couldn't remember what school he went to, so Evan and I just spent, seems like, an hour trying to figure out who I was talking about, but we got him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, I know you're an Iowa Hawkeyes fan, even though, again, you're in Illinois, so I don't understand this, Evan, but <laughs> just talk about Iowa and what you thought of their season. Yeah, so Iowa football and basketball, um, what basketball is going on currently, have had two very solid seasons. We went 10-3 and three this year. I think we got second or maybe third in the Big Ten West, just behind Wisconsin and uh, maybe Minnesota. I'll have to double-check that. Great year. More than likely, we'll have two guys selected in the first round of the NFL draft this year, which carries over a trend from last year with uh, Noah Fant and uh, TJ Hawkinson. One of the kids is actually uh, AJ Epineza, who's from um, Danville, Illinois, um, which is right by uh, Edwardsville. Um, he actually might have, I think he actually went to Edwardsville High School. AJ Epineza, DN, he's a super freak. Uh, he's going to show out at the combine. And then uh, our uh, right tack, Tristan Worse, um, big, big, big boy, is going to put up crazy numbers at the combine and we'll hear his name called on that first night as one of the first offensive linemen to go off the board. Very happy and excited for those guys. As you can see, I'm pretty invested in the Iowa football program to be hitting you with stats like that. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, you're yeah, definitely paying a, attention to stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, great, great fun year. You have a lot of guys back next year besides you know the main piece of the offense, Nate Stanley, our quarterback, three-year starter. Most notably be Ohio State at home when they were number two in the nation. Under the lights at Kinnick, it was a really special moment for a lot of Iowa fans. Something that I'll always remember. But uh, yeah, this team should be back competing next year at the likes of Wisconsin and now all of a sudden Minnesota. I think you know what they, the program they built in Iowa City is really special. We had the longest tenured head coach in Kirk Ferentz. Um, you got the Iowa Wave which is obviously drawing a lot of attention to the program for all the right reasons. I like I like where the program's going. We're not contending for national championships, but we're also not, you know, losing either, you know. It, I don't want to rip on Illinois, but, you know, they've had eight, eight years now where they can't, you know, seem to catch a break, win a bowl game, anything like that. So I'm fine with where the program's at and just keep chipping away and get better. In Illinois' defense, we'll talk about winning bowl games later, but to get to one was a big feat for Illinois this season. Absolutely, and uh, I've grown up a huge Illini fan ever since that 04-05 national championship uh, runner-up team. You know, D. Brown, Luther Head, Roger Powell, you know, you name it. That team had it all, shooting, size, speed, athleticism. Right then and there, I've always been an Illini diehard. I actually still have a poster hanging up of that squad in my uh, room. 
which is kind of cool. All my friends, you know, I'm sure just like you were watching all those games, you know, making the run against Arizona and uh, at the Paul Stadium up in Chicago. That crazy comeback that D. Will kind of, you know, headed um, by himself, just raining threes. Um, so, you know, I, nothing against Illinois. I really love the school. It's a great school. I love all my friends that go there, and uh, I wish them the best, too. Just It is nice just having a nice, solid football program. And uh, our basketball team's doing pretty good, too. Yeah, watching the Illini basketball team is making me happy because I was a freshman in college when they went to the championship game in 2005 and lost to North Carolina. So I have been waiting for a team that is at least watchable for quite some time. This is a great team. I saw somewhere this is the highest they've been ranked since uh, D. Brown's senior year. So uh, I know it's you know it's been quite some time since Illinois has been on the big national radar relevance scale. But uh, I'll, I'll be rooting for them, you know, all throughout March. You know, hopefully they make a run at the Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen. Who knows? Um, it's a talented team, top to bottom. Wish them nothing but the best. Since we're just talking about basketball, we do not have to touch on this, uh, you know, too much because it's a a sour spot for both of us. But the Bulls have been kind of awful to watch this year. But for some odd reason, they're only three games out of the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference playoff bracket, I guess, if you're looking at it like, oh, my God, they're only three games out. When you're watching them play basketball... It looks like they should be at the bottom of the conference, not only three games out of making the playoffs. It, it's one of the craziest things in all the sports. I mean, just to talk about the Eastern Conference, you know, you think that, you know, the super teams kind of break up this year. You know, KD leaves, the NBA seems as open and, uh, you know, up for the grabs as any year it's ever been. But the Eastern Conference, you know, you still have the Brooklyn Nets at uh, 20 and 26 holding on to that eight seed and the Bulls just filled with mediocrity. Not a good team at 19 and 31, like you said, just three games out. It's just kind of embarrassing, honestly. They, they are the Minnesota Timberwolves of the East stuck in that, you know, that not fully tanking because they have, just enough talent, but um, never getting a good draft pick. Always picking in that, you know, that seven to twelve range that kind of just leaves you in no man's land. Like the like you've seen the Hornets over the past five, six, seven, eight years. The Bulls are basically in basketball hell, and I was going to say purgatory, but in purgatory at least you have a shot of <laughs> going to heaven. The Bulls are literally going to be stuck in this situation. I mean, the core has not really produced like he wanted it to. But in their defense, I think we can both agree Jim Boylan is should be nowhere near the Madhouse of Madison in the 2020-2021 season. We need a fresh, established coach who's a proven winner who can develop our young talent. But uh, it's getting kind of scary to the point because, you know, the Lowry marketing deal, he'll be a free agent after next year. Uh, Wendell will be you know, seeking probably his um, extension years too. So now you got to balance all those guys who haven't really had the most promising start to their career as we might have hoped back in the day. Obviously been flashes of brilliance from both uh, Wendell, Kobe, and um, Lowry, but um, it's really not what, where you want to be if you're a fan of the Chicago Bulls team. 
So I totally agree with you. At the beginning of this year, I was kind of on the hype train. Like Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen are all-star caliber players. 100%, 100% with you. I was so in. I was, we were all in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's not like they don't have the potential to do that. They do. Especially right. in the Eastern Conference that is the Eastern Conference right now. There's like three or four guaranteed all-stars. And then there's a handful of people that could or couldn't be, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, yeah. Going into this year, stating that Levine and Marketing should be all-stars wasn't crazy. But what no. is crazy is how they're playing, and they're nowhere near all-star level, even in a week east. Levine, he has showed up this year, that's for sure. But his game is pretty much, you know, I think we've seen him over the years kind of just be the ISO. I'm going to score no matter what, you know. He's that talented. He can dunk over you or his, you know, he can shoot, he shoots threes like not me, but a good shooter shooting a jump shot, you know. Like, he's just elevating over everybody, um, quick as lightning. He, in my opinion... He has been playing at an all-star level, but when the wins don't pile up, you're not getting your recognition. And I think I actually just saw on Twitter that he is not going to be an all-star this year, even though this all-star game is in his you know home court of Chicago. So definitely very disappointing. And like you just said, Lowry, you know, it was not crazy to think he's going to step forward. He's going to be a 28-6 and, you know, a block and a half a game guy uh, shooting, you know, close to that 90, 50, 40 that you would love to see from him. But obviously that hasn't been the case this year. The Jim Boylan system just doesn't really fit him. And he's kind of lost his confidence and aggression in his game. And it's really, really troubling to see. When they signed Boylan to a, a contract, I was really surprised. Personnel wise, if Markkinen and Wendell Carter, if that dude could ever stay healthy and put together like a month or two of great games, I would sell them. I, I would trade Markkinen and Carter, and to be completely honest with you. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's that's so tough to say, you know, after watching these guys grow up and, you know, seeing the brilliance that they have. But, you know, the core is just kind of stuck in that, that odd spot. And, you know, hopefully they prove us wrong. But I think a lot of people are kind of thinking what we're thinking. You know, this even though we're going through a rebuild, you might need to, you know, kickstart the rebuild again and completely tank out and uh, see what you can get for those guys. It's sad and I don't want that to happen, but maybe it's what it's going to have to take. Unfortunately, I think it is. Here's a good question for you. Do you remember, I don't know how old you would have been, but after, oh, you might not have, you graduated in 13, you were 18. What year were you born? 95. Okay, so you probably wouldn't have really remembered it. After Michael Jordan leaves the Bulls, they went through quite a few years of, I don't even know if meteorocracy is the correct word, but I was talking to somebody a couple days ago, and I was like, I wonder if this Bulls team now could even play or beat those teams after the Jordan era. We're talking about Kirk Heinrich, Eddie Curry, Elton Brand, rookie Elton Brand, young Jason Crawford. You know, those kind of teams against this team. I'm like, I wonder who would win that. Yeah, oh, that, that, that's funny you brought it up. Yeah, the Bulls really didn't have a an exit strategy after Jordan and it kind of just hit them right in the face that you know they went from absolutely dominating the sport in the entire world for you know those 10 plus years to just falling flat on their face do I think this current Bulls team would beat them I, I would say yes probably only because I'm a big proponent and uh, every year P 
people to get bigger, faster, stronger, and now they know that shooting threes is pretty smart thing to do. <laughs> um, I think even though as inefficient as Jim Boylan is, I think he still knows enough that three points from, you know, Zach Levine at 40% is still better than letting Elton Brand shoot two-point jumpers, you know, from the key, you know. So I do think the modern NBA teams would still beat those older teams to an extent of the talent level like you just listed. We can move on from that. <laughs> that was a lot of Bulls talk. <laughs> Right, for as bad as they are, I don't think they're worth our, our words. <laughs> I know, we talk tons about football. We talk about the Bulls for like five minutes. I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> Definitely. Right. So we talked right. about your high school career. We talked about what you're doing now. We talked about the Super Bowl. We talked about the Packers. We talked about NCAA football. Even though we get older after you're you know, playing high school ball or college ball or professional ball, it is always awesome and a good idea to stay physically fit i have not really done that myself little chubby but i'm working on it you <laughs> i know i laugh at that too <laughs> you are playing basketball with some friends and stuff you know every every monday at a local school just talk about doing that and how that helps you stay in shape and you know keep the the joys of playing sports alive right yeah so uh yep mondays always try and get the guys together play at a local grade school here in Mendota. The custodian staff is awesome. The athletic director and the, you know, the upper management at Northbrook has really been great people, very accommodating to us. So um, always appreciate them, you know, letting us, you know, get together on Mondays, you know, after, you know, Sunday comes around, you're like, oh, shoot, I got a whole work week ahead. But being able to look forward to something on Monday night is really special, especially when it's something that, you know, all me and my friends love to do. So just keeping that bond together, you know, like you said, staying fit, you know, it's it's always nice to get that, that big sweat in to start the week, especially when you find other excuses not to make time for the gym. Basketball is always there and open for you, and it's, it's something fun that we all enjoy. Like you said, it's, it's just a special bond that got blessed with a great group of friends. I love to, love to hoop, love to stay active. It's, it's actually funny we're kind of talking about this now because uh we won the ymca basketball league last night too which was really you know fun and cool uh, as we've discussed before you know how that y league has really been good for the area and keeping you know everybody active and keeping you know some of the local athletes you know playing together and having fun together so uh basketball is definitely a big part of how me and my friends are active right now and uh it's going great <laughs> Definitely talk about that YMCA team. Throw out the names of some of the guys on there. We'll give them some shout-outs. Yeah, so that's um, basically the same team that we had constructed over the summer. Ryan Reeder, Drake O'Donnell, my brother James, Trey Bloomhurst, Sam Bound, all the Mendota kids. And then we uh, actually picked up Nathan Helley, who um, I know had a really good sports career in this area. You know, he's in high school back where I was. And then, yeah, he uh, played at, at Henry. Yep. St. Bede for, I think, one year and then finished his career at Henry. What I understand, he's really good at football, which never really got to see him play or obviously compete against. But yeah, after seeing he, uh, him play on the basketball court, I, I can see that for sure. Definitely want to tell you this story or, or the listeners this story. So he played with River Valley football, which was a co-op with Henry, Midland, and I think there was another school in there. 
Anyway, it was a co-op, and they called it River Valley. Varna. It was Varna. So they played at River. They called it River Valley, and he was a running back, and he is a... I'm six foot, so he's probably like six two-ish, somewhere around there. And at that point in his life was just built. Like, he would, he looked like a high school running back. And that was the very first year that that co-op, and the very last year that that co-op made it to the playoffs was his senior year. And I actually covered the playoff game, and he had a great game then, too. And I remember watching... I hope he doesn't get mad at me for this, but I remember watching him tear up when he lost because that was a very special special year for that program and for that area. You can tell that's a kid that loves to play sports, loves to put, you know, team first mentality um, into action. He was great to play with, just like all those other guys. Yeah, I'm sure he was a, a freak on the football field. <laughs> I know all the guys that you mentioned from Mendota, too. I, I know them all personally and talk to them all. So I, I'm visioning that team, and I'm like, there is no way I'm going to join them on Mondays and play. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, door's always open, my man. But, uh, yeah, it definitely is some pretty good talent, some kids that were some of the best kids you know in their class and in their class in the valley so definitely got some some good uh talent playing at uh your local grade school on a monday <laughs> yeah that's awesome very cool and you will not see me there maybe we'll do a podcast i don't know <laughs> but, hey that, i can see some momentum behind this <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> Well, my friend, I really appreciate you uh, spending, man, we talked for about an hour about all kinds of awesomeness. Thank you. You are definitely welcome to come back anytime and talk some sports with us. And don't forget, you're going to be my uh, prep football insider. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Had a lot of fun. A lot of good topics covered. Always good to uh, you know, talk sports with your friends, and tonight was no different.